You alone, Father, are worthy in all the universe to be worshipped and to be praised, Father. You're worthy for us to lay down our lives, to declare your goodness, to lift up our hands. Father, you alone are worthy. We worship you, Father. You are great and mighty and kind, Father, and powerful. You speak to us, your children. Thank you, Father, for dwelling inside of us. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word. Thank you, Father. You're so good to us, Father. So kind towards us, Father. So powerful in our lives, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You are good, Father. And your mercy endureth forever. You are good, Father. And your mercy endures forever. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your mercy, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, for all of these things, we give you praise and honor and thanksgiving, Father. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good all the time. You know, if you hadn't figured out he's good by now, you know, we will have a remedial class after church, you know, tell you how good God is. Amen. And, um, and I forgot to uh, introduce you to my two friends from Missouri. Uh, we got Miss Millie, Miss Becky, all the way from Missouri, and uh, uh, and so uh, Jerry Allen's got family in Missouri, so you guys are probably related somehow there. And so, did you guys say you were going to start commuting here Sunday mornings every Sunday morning from Missouri, right? So <laughs> you may have to get up a little earlier than you were. So, uh, but praise God. So we've got uh, Brother Randall Greer all the way from Oklahoma here with us today. And, um, you know, Brother Randy stands in the office of the prophet. You know, I was thinking about the, that, that office there. You know, a lot of times, uh, of course, many people in the church don't believe that the office of the prophet exists today. So they miss out on that part of, that the head of the church has established for our benefit. Uh, but, you know, the office of the prophet is not intended to be uh, come up with wild theories and prophesy a million dollars into your pocket or prophesy a million dollars out of your pocket. You know, if you read the book of Ephesians, it has a lot of good details about it. But primarily, the office of the prophet, like all the ministry gifts, are there to perfect us, to cause us to grow up. But it's also, the, the Lord Jesus specifically said that he, he speaks to the prophets and apostles certain things that he doesn't speak to anybody else. Amen. And they don't have to be controversial. Uh, they can just be revelation. Amen. Uh, he doesn't have to preach some wild ideas and and. But the thing is, if you want to receive from the from the true office of the prophet, you have to listen well. Uh, and so I'd encourage you, as Brother Randy comes up to speak today, listen well, because there'll be things that'll be said that if you don't pay attention, they'll just go right by you. Uh, and, um, you know, because, you know, if it's if it's controversial, you'll hear it. But that's not the office of the prophet. Amen. The office of prophet is revelation. Uh, and so listen well. Amen. I so I'd encourage you to do that. And so let's give a warm date and welcome to Brother Randall Greer. I'm here, and you're here, we're all here, and we thank God for it. It's good to be with you again. The Lord is with us, He's on our side, you know, and He was speaking about that. I don't go around, you know, calling myself a prophet or anything like that. I believe that Brother Hagin taught me, if you have to go around and call yourself one, you ain't one. 
Because if you are one, then there's going to be fruit of it in your life. You know, if you say there's an apple tree over there, there better be some apples on it. If you say there's a pear tree over there, there better be some pears on it. If you say there's a blackberry bush, there better be some blackberries on it. If you say there's a plum bush over there, there better be some plums on it. Plum bush, don't have to tell me it's a plum tree. I just go over and see it's got plums on it. Isn't that right? But, but basically, you know, where I stand, I stand in, in, in the place of a, a teacher and, and a preacher. You know, that kind of goes either way, whatever the Spirit of God's doing. And, and the prophet just speaks by sudden inspiration of the moment. In fact, that's the way I'm going to be speaking to you this morning because that's the way that the, <clears throat> the Spirit of God's been dealing with me. I, actually, from the time that I woke up this morning and he started to uh, speaking to me, about this particular service and about people that would be here this morning. I don't always point people out and call people out, but the, the Lord began to speak to me. And, of course, we're going from here up to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Of course, we're going to be here this morning and then this uh, healing service this afternoon. And those meetings up there, it'll be different than it is here. You understand? It'll, there'll be a different flow and everything like this. It'll be a flow for the local church this morning. And we're going to operate in that anointing today. And we thank God for it. We thank God for, for Dr. Chip and Pastor Chris here. I thank you. You know, they're people of integrity. They, they came all the way from, what was that, Cookville, Tennessee? <laughs> to down here to Dayton, Tennessee. And I think probably this is the first time that Sister Millie and Sister Becky here, our friends, Sister Millie heads up a prayer team for our ministry, and that's how they slipped in on us. They was in the back praying. But this may be the first time they've been to Monkey Town. First time for her, she'd been to Monkey Town. She hadn't seen no monkeys yet, so she's wondering. <laughs> she saw the sign. But anyway, <laughs> the Monkey Town. And, and she's probably the first time she's been to Rio Ray County. <laughs> There's always been a war where it's called Ray County or Rio Ray County. So it's it just, I call it Rio Ray. You know what I mean? But anyway, here we are in Ray County, and it's good to see all of you. And God is with us. He's on our side, leading us and guiding us. And, uh, through many toils and snares, we have already come. It, even in, in headed out to this trip, we had some complications with the airplane, but God supernaturally was with us, protected us, watched over us, and, and here we are. Uh, but God's got a supernatural plan for your life and a supernatural plan for this nation. In fact, I'm going to be talking about the nation more so in Gatlinburg than I will here because that's not the purpose of this meeting. You've got to find out the purpose of the meeting and then follow God in that purpose in order to get good success. So the, I'll be talking more about the nation and, and the nations of the world and what's happening in the nations of the world and why it's happening. I've said this over the years, you know, and I'm not saying that i got a corner on the market when it comes to this particular phrase. I believe the Holy Ghost gave it to me. Yet the church should be the most intelligent people group on planet Earth. I mean, the church as a whole. We should know what's going to happen before it happens, why it's happening, what God thinks about it, and then what our response should be to it. <coughs> and there is a reason that things are happening in our nation like they are today. In fact, you can find chapter and verse for in detail. Uh, God said exactly what would happen and why it would happen, and it's found in the Bible. And I'm going to be covering those subjects. Again, this is not the particular meeting for that. And this morning, but I've got a word from God for us all this morning. But I'm going to be talking about the whys and wherefores of our nation, why it's in the position it's in, and the nations of the earth. There's things that's going on and there's reasons for it. 
And uh, there are uh, also the reasons that they're happening. God always has a solution for everything that's going on. So not only is there a reason for what's going on, but there's a solution to the problems in our nation today. And God wants us to understand those things. So I believe that He'll give us utterance to, to say what He wants us to say, especially in our meetings in Gatlinburg, but also here this morning. So let's pray. Father... We thank you for the Spirit of God and the anointing of God that is on us, that is with us, and that is in us. And we thank you that you're leading us, you're guiding us, and you're directing our path so that your will, your plan, and your purposes will take place and come to pass in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we know that this is a day and the hour that you want to fill us supernaturally with your power. Father, give us understanding and give us wisdom and give us direction of your truths in this day. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. Said We're at, where you already know, you've been prayed up so you know exactly where we're going. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, we have the account where Peter, the apostles here, were arrested for preaching the gospel. And, uh, of course, I'm not going to be speaking about that, but I want to talk about what they preached. And I want to talk to you this morning. It may seem so simple. It may even seem foolish to you. But this is what the Spirit of God said to me. This morning when my eyes woke up and I, I become aware that I was in the world here, he said, I want you to speak on this morning how to know that you're saved. Do you know that people struggle with this? Especially as people get on in years, they struggle with it. People that's young adults struggle with it. As far as I know, I've never spoke on this before in my life. I have no hope, not a lot of preparation because it's, again, by sudden inspiration at the moment. But I want to talk about how to know that you're saved. And of course, if you understand the purpose and plan of salvation and how you're saved and how you enter into the kingdom of God or how we, you go to what we call heaven, then you can receive anything from God based on those principles. Everything that you receive from God comes the same way. It comes through a childlike faith and belief that you have about the things of God, and that's the way you're saved. But the apostles preached, and they talked about salvation. They was arrested for preaching about salvation. They was preaching in Acts chapter 3. By the time you got to Acts chapter 4, then, uh, in fact, we'll start reading some of it. You don't just read some of the Bible? You reckon it would hurt us if we did? <coughs> First of all, in Acts chapter 3, there was a lame man that was healed as Peter and John went up to the temple to pray. And, uh, and so, verse 11, we'll pick up Acts 3, verse 11. Even though we're going to verse 4, it just seems good to back up. And we're going to talk about, again, how to know you're saved, the plan of salvation, how do you get into the kingdom of God. Again, this is something we need to get uh, established in our life so the enemy don't lie to us. 
<clears throat> Y'all remember Tommy, don't you? Y'all remember Tommy? You know, he lived on Moy Road. Y'all remember that? You remember you went down Buena Vista Road, you're coming out of Columbus, Georgia, you know, and, and you're headed east on Buena Vista Road. Buena Vista Road, I believe in Spanish, means good view. But they lied about that. But anyway, it was uh, Buena Vista Road. And if you go east on Buena Vista Road, you know, you'll come by down there, you'll pass Tillinghurst. Y'all remember where that was? It's a school over there they call Tillinghurst. You know why they call it Tillinghurst School? Because there was a man that put a lot of time and education and all that stuff in the area. His name was Tillinghurst, so they called the school Tillinghurst Elementary. Very creative, isn't it? So you drive on past Tillinghurst and you go on out past Five Points. Y'all remember where Five Points was? All these roads come together and nobody know when to go when and everything. And there used to be only stop signs there. Then finally they put in traffic signals. You ever been to one of them intersections where nobody knew what to do because of the way the roads come together, you didn't know who had to ride away, so you just had to close your eyes and go, you know. Honk the horn, duck your head, you know, whatever, and come through five points. You went through five points. Remember, you turned to the right and you made a curve out through there. And on the right up through there, there's a little strip shopping center, and it was called Roses. Remember Roses Department Store? You know, they still got one of them things. They got one of them in Griffin, Georgia. Anybody down south would know about Roses. I don't know if you know about Roses Department Store, but that was around years ago. But you go past that. And then you get on out there and you go on out Buena Vista Road and you come to a road called Moy Road and you turn right on Moy Road. And you remember why they called it Moy Road. Because Miss Moy lived on the corner and she was a very popular educator. She had taught for like 40-something years in the local schools there in that area. And she was real popular with all the educators and the students and everybody liked her. And she lived up on a hill right there on the corner of Moy Road and Buena Vista Road. And so when they built that road in there, it was actually dirt to start with. Y'all remember it was dirt? Y'all remember that time in gravel? And it went out to Fort Benton Military Base. You could go out that way. But after they paved it, they had to give it a name because it was something then. It wasn't just a dirt road, you know. So they decided to name it after Miss Moy. So it was Moy, M-O-Y-E, Moy Road. And if you went down Moy Road, about uh, mile, half a mile, three-quarters of a mile, you started in a sharp curve. And you remember when you went in that sharp curve, Aunt Rosie lived in that house there on the right. And if you didn't make that curve, you went through her fence and you went up on her front porch which is not good. But anyway, right before you get to Miss Rosie's house, that's where Tommy lived. And Tommy was confused about salvation. Tommy had his own belief system, and there's people here today, I believe, that's got their own belief system, and I'm not here to berate anybody, but just point things out. Tommy had his own belief system about salvation. He had no foundation of God's Word about uh, what the Bible said. Tommy was a bad alcoholic. He drank <clears throat> alcohol like it was water, literally. I mean, every time you seen him, he had some kind of alcohol. He, he never worked, kind of. He, he lived with his mama, and every now and then he'd do a, a little something to scrape up a few dollars, and then all of that would go towards him buying more alcohol. And so he drank most all his life. And of course, he died, you know, at 28 years old. And he died, as far as I know, he died and went to hell. Even though that I had talked to him, because I had been a friend to him prior to going to prison. And remember my life story, if you don't know it, you could find it on the internet, rgm.me. 
a website. But uh, I got gloriously born again. And I became a Christian. And I came out of that lifestyle. And so I had a heart for Tommy because he was my closest friend. So I, would, I went to Tommy's house. And by this time, Tommy had uh, cirrhosis of the liver. You know, that's when he had drinking so much alcohol that it actually has affected his liver and his body was bloated. You know, he had blowed up because poisons was in his body. You know how it gets in there? And he wasn't from eating beans and taters. It's because poison just swole him up. And so I began to talk to him about uh, salvation. Because he had known the ways of God from his mama, but none of them ever, you know, made an attempt to, to serve God or anything that I know of. None of his brothers, and his mama did but not <coughs> any of his brothers or anything like that. I think she had about 12 or 13 children total. So she had her hands full with them, and her husband had passed away when, uh, you know, years earlier, and it was all related to alcohol. And so she was having to raise all them kids by herself. She'd done washing and cleaning and, and things like that, sewing. She was a good, she could sew and hem things, you know. And so that's kind of the way she made money, and everybody that knew her in the area they, they helped her out that way, you know. They would go, even, even though they didn't really need a lot, they'd just go over and help her or give her some money or something. And, and of course, she wanted to work for it. She didn't want to take it, but they always tried to help her, get her to sew something, and she would clean stuff, wash clothes, just whatever. She would do it. So I'd go in and talk to Tommy. And I'd tell Tommy, I said, Tommy, I said, you need to get right with God. He said, well, I've been to the doctor. And he said, I, the doctor told me that if I would take these pills, he said, they would help me live longer. And he said, uh, but I ain't going to take him pills. I said, why? He said, because if I take these pills, the doctor said I got to quit drinking, because if I didn't, he said, there'd be an adverse side effect between the alcohol and chemicals in the alcohol and that medicine that I'm taking. And he said, that may kill me. He said, so I'll tell you what my medicine is. My medicine is this alcohol I'm drinking right here. And so he, he was drinking. I said, Tommy, I said, you need to get right with God. I was kind, but I was firm. I said, you need to get right with God. You need to make the Lord the Savior of your life, just like I did. You need to become born again. Not just think about God and think about going to heaven or anything. I said, you've got to come the Bible way and make Jesus Lord of your life. And when I talked to him for a good while, and he just sat there, and, or actually laid there and listened because he was basically bloated so much, he didn't have the energy to move much. And he would grunt every now and then and say something or nod his head or something like that. He didn't basically say anything for a good while. Then finally, when I got through presenting the plan of salvation to Tommy based on the Word of God, what the Bible says, this is what Tommy said to me that was very discouraging to me. Tommy said, he said, Randy, he said, I'm glad that all those things have happened for you. Because he'd known me, we'd known each other since we were little boys, you know. He said, I'd know, I'm glad that all this happened for you. And he said, I'm glad that you believe the way you do. He said, but, he said, I have my own private agreement with God and I'm going to heaven my way. That's what Tommy told me. Now, what do you see wrong in that? Because Tommy can't go Tommy's way, and you can't go your way, and I can't go my way. There's only one way that we can go to heaven, 
and be sure of our salvation. And Tommy's plan of salvation was not in agreement with God's plan of salvation. And I told him over and over, Tommy, I said, what you are believing in your agreement with God, I said, is not legitimate. I said, it's not right. And I said, you're going to wind up going to hell if you don't do what the Bible says. Again, boldly he spoke up, kindly but boldly. He said, God and I have our own agreement. He said, I've got my plan and my understanding with God, and I'm going to go to heaven my way. I said, Tommy, your way is going to take you to hell. Hey, hey, it didn't have time to be nice to him no more. I mean, he's going to die. And I mean, he became such a project for me because he was a good friend of mine that I started to interceding for him in his behalf. I started praying and seeking God. And I remember one day I was praying for him. And I was asking God, because God puts such a, we used to call it an old-time Pentecost, a burden, you know, in my heart <coughs> to pray for him. And, and called him out before the Lord. And I, I asked God to spare Tommy's life. I said, God, spare Tommy's life. Lord, spare Tommy's life. I said, Lord, if you'll just give me a little bit more time, I said, I think I can convince him. You know, that's what I way I talk to the Lord in prayer. I'm just kneeling down in prayer, and I mean, I was weeping, I was crying, intercession was on me, it was the Spirit of God was helping me. And then the Lord just said right in my spirit, He said, all right, how long do you want me to give him? And I thought, well, this stuff works. How long do you want me to give him? And it wasn't a real audible voice speaking out here, but it was in here. I knew it was real. I knew God was talking to me. And so when he said that, I thought to myself, well, how long do I need? And I thought, you know, a month would be a long time because he was supposed to be already dead. I mean, the doctor wouldn't even treat him. They wouldn't even let him come to the doctor's office because he would not do what the doctor said. The doctor said, they don't need for you to come here. You're wasting the money, you're wasting our time. Because he wouldn't do anything the doctor said. He had told him what to do. You do this, this, and this, and we can probably try to help you, but you, what you're doing is going to kill you. How long? So I thought, well, if I asked for a month, then I thought, well, could I convince him in a month? Well, he's so hard-headed. I hadn't been able to convince him here, and it's been quite a few months. Then I thought, what about if I asked three or four months? And I thought, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Tommy, he's hard-headed. Like some of us are, you know. Can I get to him in three or four months? Then I thought about, well, six months. Is six months long enough? Because God said, well, how long do you want me to give him? I then prayed to the point in behalf of someone else, not in my place, taking somebody else's place, asking God to have mercy on him. And you can do the same thing for your loved ones and everything. You can just keep praying, keep interceding, keep standing the gap in their behalf, for such a time. And, and it takes time to do some of these things. And that's why a lot of people don't, don't want to do them because everybody's so busy. But I just kept on and I got to thinking, well, would six months be enough? Because, you know, I was thinking, well, that's a long, six months is a long time. I mean, he's dead. I mean, they're telling him you're going to die. There's so much poison in his body, his eyes are yellow. It's filling his eyes, you know. And, and, and all of that stuff. And he swole up everything. And all he's doing is drinking. I mean, he can't eat. Nothing, they tried to eat a little bit, but, you know, he could never keep it down. Then I thought, well, I'm just going to go for it here. I thought, well, God said, how long do you want me to give him? Because I'd been praying. And I'd been praying for quite some time now. 
Not just that day, but over a period of time. But that day, it just seemed like that I really got in the Spirit, and God really took hold with me. And I said uh, to myself, surely, if He would give him one year, one year, I could convince him. Because I'll just keep going. I'll pray. I'll believe God. <coughs> and I'll keep going talking to Tommy. So I prayed that way. And I said, Lord, I said, and this all happened in a matter of, you know, seconds. You know, I'm just, it takes a while to talk, you know, and tell it. But while I was down there praying, I, and all these thoughts went through my mind that I've already told you. And then I, I said to myself, a, a year, certainly. Anybody could get somebody saved in a year, you know, get them to accept the Bible. So I said, Lord, I'm asking you to give Tommy one year. I said, now medical science said that he's supposed to die any day because his other body organs are shutting down because of the poisons that's in his body. And eventually it's going to get to his heart and everything else. So it's going to kill him, you know. Brain and everything else, you know. I said, Lord, will you spare Tommy's life for one year? Because, Lord, you know that he's decided that he's made his own plan of salvation. Uh, Lord, the plan of salvation that he's got in his mind is not the same that the Bible talks about. And I said, Lord, I know he's on his way to hell. And the Lord said this to me. He said, because you've asked me, he said, I'm going to spare his life for one year. So I went over to, Miss, to his house, and I wanted to talk to, to, to Ma Bullard. That's what everybody knew her. You know, we grew up kids. Everybody called her Ma Bullard. And her name was Ethel Bullard. But uh, I wanted to tell Miss Bullard because she was so distraught. She would cry and worry and, you know, and everything and wring her hands and try to talk to Tommy, and he wouldn't listen to her. <clears throat> so I wanted to just give her some encouragement. And she, she was out on the back porch with the old ringer washer. Who remembers the ringer washers? Anybody? Ringer washer, remember when you put them clothes in there? You better not get your hand caught in there. It'll run up in there. But she had that washing machine out on the back porch. And, and that's where she had it at, you know, wash the clothes out there. And so, and she just let the hose, you know, drain out in the yard, you know, and stuff like that. So I went out there. And I said, Ma Bullard, she said, oh, Randy, I'm glad to see you. And she just hugged me, you know, every time she seen me, that's the way she done. And I said, I come to give you some encouraging news. I said, I was praying today. And I said, I said I've been talking to Tommy. She said, I know it. And I said, I am so appreciate it. I thank you so much for talking to Tommy. I don't want to see him go to hell. And, I, you know, no mama does. <coughs> and I said, Ma Bullard, I said, the Lord told me he's going to spare Tommy's life for a year and give me time to talk to Tommy. You know, that's, that, a year extension on a death sentence is pretty good. You know what I mean? I was wondering, what if I'd asked five years? You reckon I'd have got it? I don't know. The Lord might have pleaded back with me, you know. And you could get it, but you'd have to plead with him. You know, the Bible says plead with him, declare thou. But I thought, you know, to me, one year was a long time. Certainly you could convince somebody in a year if you talk to them long enough. So she was very excited. She said, well, Randy, she said, you know, she said, I just called the doctor the other day. And she said, the doctor told me there is no hope. She said, he'll be dead. Because he was asking her the symptoms because he was concerned for her too. And she knew that he wouldn't do, the doctor knew he wouldn't do what he wanted him to do, but she would, he would talk to her. 
And she said, the doctor said he's got less than two weeks to live. I said, Ma Bullard, I said, <coughs> Tommy's not going to die for a year. Because I knew it. I mean, I knew it just as good as I know my name. As good as you know your name. I knew that he was not going to die. Because God loved Tommy. God wanted Tommy to go to heaven. He didn't want him to go to hell. And so the Lord also told me to take my anointing oil when I went. And he said, I want you to anoint Tommy with oil. Now why? I don't know. But I had a little bottle of anointing oil that I put in my pocket. And when I went to Tommy's house that day to tell Ma Bullard that, I went in there and told Tommy, I said, Tommy, I said, the Lord wants me to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and pray for you. He said, okay. He said, okay, I don't care. He said, you can pray for me. So I anointed him with oil, you know, and I thought, well, if a little dab will do you, a whole lot will do you a lot better, you know. So I rubbed him on here and I rubbed him on there. I rubbed it everywhere I could rub it, you know. <clears throat> and I put that oil, I had it all over me and all over him too. And I laid hands on him. I remember while I was praying for him, the power of God was so strong on me. You know how the hair will stand up on your arm? The hair was standing up on my arm as the power of God was being ministered to his body. He's never confessed Jesus as Lord, not the Bible way. He's got his own agreement, you know, and he's going to heaven his way. He's made an agreement with God. He's done talk God into his, his plan of salvation, so to speak. And so the anointing there was imparted to him to keep him alive for a year. Well, I went after him, and I mean, I went to talking to him, I went to praying for him, and I kept going. I'd go and come, go and come, and go and come, and go and come. And then finally one day, I got the dreaded phone call. Approximately, I didn't figure it out to the day, but approximately one year to the day, I got a phone call from the Bullard's house. He said, I wanted to let you know that Tommy just died. He never accepted Jesus Christ the Bible way. He'd done it his way. But when he stands before the great white throne judgment, he is not going to be able to tell God, you did not give me a chance. Because God gave him a chance, but Tommy wanted to do it his way. And I can imagine when Tommy's spirit leaped out of his body. Instead of going up, it started going down, 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 down. So finally the lights of earth disappeared and faded away. And then darkness began to encompass him. And I'm not glad it happened. I'm just telling you this is the way it's going to happen. If you're not born again, if you're not going to heaven when you die, you're going to hell, which is in the heart of the earth. The Bible teaches this. So he started going down, down, down. And then he got to a place that all the lights of earth disappeared. And then the darkness was so dark, it was like you could cut it with a knife. You couldn't see your finger in front of your nose if you had it right there. Literally. You could touch your nose and feel it, but you couldn't see. That's how dark it was. The Bible says the, the wicked is going to be cast into what? Outer darkness. Not just darkness, but outer darkness. Now I'm not preaching fear, I'm preaching faith. You sure don't want to go to hell. And you're not going to hell. Because we're going to Make sure that you understand how to go to heaven this morning and how to receive everything that you should from God. So Tommy went down and all of a sudden he saw lights flickering down below him. 
And as he saw the lights flickering down below him, he began to wonder uh, with amazement, what is that? Because it had been so dark, you couldn't see nothing. But the lights started flickering. And then he got closer. He said, that looks like fire. It looks like flames. And then, as he got a little closer, he realized those flames were behind some gates. Remember the Bible talks about the gates of hell? He could see the gates. And he seen the flames behind the gates. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on him. What Randy was telling me about the Bible is true. <clears throat> Where I was telling him that I was right and I was going to do it my way and I didn't have to do it God's way. I didn't have to do it His way. I didn't have to be born again. <clears throat> God and I had an agreement. <clears throat> he discovered right away that this stuff don't work. He probably shouted, and I wasn't there. But he probably shouted out, God! God! I believe what Randy said now! Silence. He's headed towards the region of the damned. Because he was going to do it his way. He was going to go his way. The devil, from the beginning, has tried to get people to do it their way. Tried to get them to think, even in the garden, when Eve and, and the devil were in conversation, and the, the devil come to her and had God said, you know, you can't eat of the tree, the fruit, of knowledge of good and evil, and all this. And she said, well, we can eat of every tree of the garden, but we can't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, they didn't know wrong before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All they knew was to obey God. And they lived in that light. They lived in that ability. They served God every day. Isn't that right? And so what, God, uh, what the devil did, he convinced her that if you'll partake of this tree, that you will be like God. In other words, you don't need God. You can make your own plans, do it your own way, and you don't have to do anything with God. And really, that's where humanism began. Humans became greater than God. That's been the desire. In fact, the greatest fight of our generation for the last 25 or even longer than that, years, is not just necessarily conservatives against liberals or, or socialists against anti-socialists, but the biggest problem that we face in our nation, and really the nations of the world, but especially our nation, and it has been for years, is humanism against Christianity. They're trying to get us convinced that we can do it without God and we can do it our way, we don't have to do it God's way. And so Tommy was met at the gates of hell. The creatures from the region of the dam grabbed him and escorted him beyond, beyond that gate. And forever he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. He said, how do you know? That's what Jesus said. It's not what I said. But why? Because Tommy wanted to do it his way. Now, that may sound discouraging to you, but I didn't tell you to tell you uh, to, to discourage you. I told you that to encourage you that we want to know how to get to heaven. Isn't that right? So that's why we turned in the Bible to the book of Acts. How'd you, how'd you know that? Well, that's what we discovered here.
But he said here, in verse 11, this is when the, of Acts 3, it says, And as the lame man which was healed helped Peter and John, all the people ran together with them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Why, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we've made this man to walk? Said the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Says, but you denied the Holy One and the just, which is Jesus Christ that we're talking about, and desired a murderer, Barabbas, to be granted unto you. In other words, you made that decision. Verse 15, and kill the what? The Prince of Life. Who was that? Jesus Christ. And that's what he's preaching to them about. Whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness uh, in the presence uh, of you all. And now, brethren, I want not that it, through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. In other words, you didn't understand what you were doing. You was ignorant of who he was. He says, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Jesus Christ should suffer, he had so fulfilled. Verse 19 says, Repent you therefore and be converted, be saved, be born again, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, <coughs> while they were preaching, what happened is the priest and the rulers came upon them and let's go on down to Acts chapter 4 for the sake of time, verse 1. So as they were preaching and telling the people this, the guy had been raised, the lame man had been raised up supernaturally by the power of God. And verse 4 says, And they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them and in being grieved, they were upset. They were mad that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the, the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide, or evening time. In other words, they laid heads on them, which means they put them in jail. Isn't that right? They got arrested for preaching the gospel. Now let's pick up again. and Because they, they asked him to come into the courtroom, as we would call it today, and give a, a testimony of what, it, what they were doing. Verse 7 of Acts 4. It says, when they had set them in the midst, says they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Talk about the man that was healed. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, remember we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, he said, if this day we be examined of the good deed done unto the impotent man, the man that was lame, now he's walking, by what means is he made whole? In other words, you're wanting to know how he was made whole. Verse 10 says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. said, This is the stone which is set at naught of your builders, which has become the head of the corner. Look at this, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby 
we must be saved. So where is the plan of salvation going to be found? In the name of Jesus. <coughs> Let's read verse 12 again. Neither is there salvation in any other, any other person, any other way. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only way we can be saved is through our Lord Jesus Christ and through His plan of salvation. Isn't that right? Because if you don't watch it, the devil will try to convince you. He'll try to convince others and make them wonder if they're saved or not. I know at times, especially when people get uh, uh, seasoned citizens, you could say, like this, seasoned citizens, because I've talked to some of them, family members and people like that, and they would make statements like this to me, you know, over, over the years. I said, well, uh, I, I sure want to go to heaven. Well, they've been going to church for, you know, 40 years, 50 years, some 60 years. Uh, I, I sure hope I make it. Well, you got to make it over here before you make it over there. But what was amazing is the devil was fighting them, you understand, and questioning their salvation. Brother Hagin said he never questioned his salvation. The moment he made Jesus Christ Lord of his life and became born again from that day forward, uh, he just constantly confessed that I'm saved, I'm born again, and I'm on my way to heaven. So how can you be sure of your salvation? Maybe the enemy has tried to convince you as to whether you're going to make it or whether you're not going to make it. Well, there's a sure thing that we know that there's no other way to be saved except through Jesus. It don't matter how many religions that there are in the world, there's only one plan of salvation that we know that works because He, Jesus, was crucified and rose from the dead and appeared unto many people for 40 days and 40 nights after He rose from the dead on this earth. He appeared to people, He talked to people in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, while He was still talking to His disciples and giving them some instructions, He was caught up into heaven and a cloud, the Bible says, received him out of their sight. What that was, was the anointing of God came to meet him and took him into the heavens. And he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So people today, even uh, people, young people, older people, they wonder if they are saved or not. They wonder, even some people that's been in church for years, wonder if they're saved, if I'm going to make heaven. I hope to make it. I hope I'm going to get there. Of course, it's how you say it and how you mean it as to whether you're just saying us something to be saying it or whether you really mean it. But it, to me, when you say something like that, I, I hope I make it, you know. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. That's old Pentecostal song. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And, and I've heard them say, you know, the people have been singing that song for 40 and 50 years. I hope my name's on the roll. Listen, if it ain't on the roll, you don't have to hope about it. You ain't going no way. So you got to know that you're saved. you got to know that you're born again. <coughs> you got to be sure of it. You know why? Because the devil, the enemy, don't want you to be sure of it. He wants to get you in fear. He wants to get you in doubt. He wants to get you in unbelief. There's one thing that I believe that Dr. Chip has taught me is that I cannot save myself. And because he's taught me that, I'm going to teach you the same thing. You can't save yourself. There's only one way of salvation, and that's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, remember, this message seems to be so simple, it's almost foolish. Because we grew up in church, just saying, well, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm, I'm saved, I'm saved. 
but do people really understand it? Do people really know it? Turn to Romans chapter 10. That's where you wanted me to turn to, right? Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start reading in a verse. Is that all right? <laughs> verse number 1. It says, Brethren, this is the Apostle Paul, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? What They might be what? Say it. Saved. So what he's about to address is the plan of salvation. He's going to talk about it. So this chapter he's going into here, the first part of this chapter, he's going to talk about salvation and how you are saved and how to know that you are saved. So he said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, he's talking about all the Jewish people, is that they might be saved. Saved. Now saved... It's kind of a word that we use in, in different ways. But the word saved not only means to be born again. It means to be whole. It means to be filled. It means to be prosperous. It means to be successful. Because when you're born again and you're right with God, there's the blessings of God that go along with it in our lives every single day. It's a package deal. Isn't that right? It's like when you go buy a vehicle. You know, when you buy a particular model vehicle... There's some things that come with that vehicle that's just standard on that thing. Like these new uh, Teslas. I don't know if you've seen them things or not. But these new Teslas that's uh, battery powered, you know, and they got a lot of torque and they go real fast and all that. But every one of them that, that's made from the factory, they got something on there called autopilot. I mean, that may not be the same way that you would define it, but autopilot. Now, they don't have what you call full self-driving mode because that's something extra you have to put on the car that's, that don't come with it normally, but you can have it done called full self-driving mode. Full self-driving mode is where you can get in that thing and, and put it, uh, just pull the handle down because it's all this. You've got a computer screen right here, you know, and everything's on that screen. You don't have any gauges and dials or anything like that. You only have uh, two fluids on the thing, and that's the windshield wiper fluid and the brake fluid. That's it. There's no combustion engine. There's no nothing. There's just batteries, and there's uh, motors. And then motors, when they build the car, they build the car. I, I went there and saw this stuff. When they build the car to the factory, I'm not, I mean the dealership, <coughs> we're working on them, and uh, they raise the car up is what they do, and then they just take a few bolts out and drop the front end and the rear end down, and that's it. I mean, then you just got a body sitting there, and all the moving parts are down here. So it's simple to do. But anyway, you get them cars, and they all come with something called autopilot, but not full self-driving mode. You have to order that extra. But the full self-driving mode is a mode that they're still working on, you know, but it will drive you around the city. It will stop at the stop signs. It will stop at the traffic signals, and you can just set up there and go to sleep. Not literally, because they got it where you got to put your hand on the wheel now because they have actually had people go to sleep in them things and the thing go crazy and they run off down through the woods and hit something. <laughs> and I don't trust them yet. You know what I mean? If you ain't saved, don't put it in the full self-driving mode. I can tell you that right now. You may get somewhere where you need to. 
But I, I said that to say this, all the cars that Tesla makes, the electric car that Tesla makes, it comes with what they call an autopilot on it. The autopilot is, <clears throat> once you get out on the highway, where you're going, any road, you can do it on this road here if you wanted to, <clears throat> but you get out here like, <laughs> what's this road, 27? <clears throat> That'd be a good one to get on. And just set the speed limit. It knows the speed limit of the road. It'll tell you exactly what the speed limit is and all that stuff. A lot of new cars have that. But anyway, you just take it, and it's got a little handle that comes off the steering column on the right. You take that thing, you get the speed you want to be going, and then you just take it and hit that handle twice. Boom, boom, just like you would a blinker. Boom, boom. And then that thing takes over. The steering wheel takes over. The braking system takes over. And, and the, the way that it goes and everything that it does, speed limit, everything, it takes over. And it drives down the road. If you, a car pulls out in front of you, you know what that thing does? It goes nuts. Because I've been sitting in one of them when it went nuts. And it takes over. It's not going to let you hit that car in front of you. It's going to turn sideways, this way, that way. It may even get raptured. I don't know. But that, that's what it does. And so I, I very rarely would run one of them things in that because I don't like that where it takes all the control from that car from me. If you've got it in that mode, you cannot control it. It's going to control the brakes. It's going to control the steering wheel. It's going to control the, the it, you call it a gas pedal in the car. They call it a go pedal in them things. But anyway, it all comes in a package deal in that car, and it automatically will drive itself. I mean, you could drive it all over the place just like that. Out on the interstate, down through Atlanta, all around through Monkey Town, whatever, it will do it. But it comes as a package deal. That's what I'm saying on that car. Well, salvation's the same way. Salvation is a package deal. Whether you know it or not, you need to go back and read the contract on salvation. <clears throat> the contract is the written word of God. Right here. First, you need to understand that you are saved, and then everything you receive from God comes through that salvation plan that you've entered into. Isn't that right? Paul here is talking about salvation. You want to talk about how you know that you're saved. He said, Brother Randy, it's too elementary. I know. It seems foolish. But it is something that the devil fights people on. Especially as they get a few years under their belt. How do you know? I talk to them periodically. I hope I make it. I hope I'm there. I'm, I hope I'm be there. Yes, I, I hope I make it. When the rolls call up, you know, I hope I get there. You know, We don't want us to be hoping. We want to know that we're going. Don't you want to know you're going? You sure you want to know you're going? Or you want to leave here this morning questioning whether you're going or not? Well, the first thing is, remember Dr. Chip taught us this. We cannot save ourselves. We've got to have someone to help us. Because it just seems to be that according to the Bible, we all are scoundrels. <laughs> and we all come short of the glory of God. And every good work we could do doesn't measure up to the qualifications to go to heaven. It don't matter how many good things that we do. Sister Millie, you know, yesterday here, they had uh, what he called a yard sale. But they didn't sell nothing. It, they gave it away. I mean, they had a, a, I think it was a building over here, right? This building over here, and they got, I think they owned a building back here, and they leased it out or something like that. They're trying to buy, the, I mean, they might own the fire department when y'all get through. But anyway, but they had a, a yard sale, or, or they called it that. That's how they I kind of advertise it, I guess. But it was free. Anybody could come in the area, and I think that about 100 or so, evangelistically speaking, 1,000, he said. But a lot of people came. And every item that was here, 
it was given to people free. Just because the church had a heart to help people. And of course there was words of encouragement that they tried to give to the people when they come. But there was just kind of an outreach program. Instead of, of selling the yard, I'm glad he kept the yard. You know, we need that yard. But uh, uh, furniture and all kind of materials and knickknacks and paddywhacks and give a dog a bone, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was just given away right here. Isn't that right? But even though the people came and they walked into church property, even though it's a different building than what we're in this morning, it's still church property. It did not save them by walking in that door, did it? In fact, there was probably a lot of people that came that had never been saved. And if you had to ask them what we're about to cover this morning, how are you saved, most of them probably couldn't have answered it. Why? Because they, they don't never think about it. People think about this life and this life only. So that's why the Spirit of God woke me up this morning. In fact, I was singing a song. I won't, I'll spare you. <clears throat> but I was singing a song. This morning when I woke up in my spirit, it just come out, you know. And that's the way He does me sometimes. But what the Lord wants you to be sure of is your salvation. And you know, sometimes the Lord will have you speak something just like this for one person. He will. He will. You say, well, I know that. Brother Randy, I know what you're fixing to say. I know, I know, but somebody else may not know. And you prayed that God would speak to somebody today. Isn't that right? And so God will have you do some things. Sometimes it seems foolish. It's so simple. But it may be something major that somebody may be fixing to step over to the other side that needs to know that needs to hear these things, that needs to bring comfort to them. You know what I mean? In fact, I've preached more funerals than I have anything. And when you get there, you know, it takes faith to live, but it takes a whole lot more faith to die. Because once you step over into eternity, that's it. There ain't no coming back. Remember the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes? said, Lord, let me go back and warn my brothers. Send Lazarus to tell him, you know. He couldn't do nothing about it. It was over. So we want you to be sure of your salvation. I'm not saying that you have a question individual, but I want you to be sure. This morning, I want you to be positive. Because that's the spirit of God's message to us today. Even to me. Even to my wife. Even to Sister Millie. Even to Dr. Chip. Especially to Sister Becky. My God. Pastor Chris, she needs to know. My Lord, she's got to get right. But also, being saved or being born again. It's all inclusive. Saved and born again. (coughs) It's the same thing. When you know that, there's a peace that comes on you. And a fear that will leave you. About the unknown, because the unknown is what brings fear. So let's see what the Apostle Paul said. Again, so simple it seems foolish. But it's something that the the Spirit of God wants us to understand. He said, Brother, my heart's desire in prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 
You know, <clears throat> that would be a good prayer to pray for a lot of people. It was, I, I hope so and so makes it. Well, let's pray that they do. And you know, sometimes God will give you what we used to call an old time Pentecost, a special burden or an unction, you might call it, to pray for a particular person where they can be uh, born again. Y'all remember Fred Bullard, don't you? Y'all remember Fred? You remember Fred Bullard? He don't remember Fred. But we'd have probably got along good with Fred like I did. My brother here. But Fred Bullard lived down there beside Tommy. Y'all know where Tommy, I told you about Tommy. Well, Tommy, you know, he died. You know, I told you about his experience in going down. But Fred, he was uh, also an alcoholic. He was Tommy's oldest brother. Not the oldest, but one of the older brothers, you know. And on Friday nights, when their big deals was, because they lived out in the country, in the woods, we called it, they'd all get together, <coughs> brothers, cousins, and friends, and whatever, heathens, you know, basically, basically all of them heathens. And they'd build a fire with uh, wood and everything, and they'd get out there and drink, you know, corrals, and usually a fight would break out, you know, and, or something would happen, or... Either they'd all get happy or they'd all get mad. It was just the way it was. Alcohol does them all kinds of stuff. And they'd get out in the streets racing their cars, you know. All that kind of stuff out there in the woods. One, one day, my brother was driving down Moy Road. Remember, I've told you where Moy Road is so you're not lost. He was driving down Moy Road by, by Ma Bullard's house. And my brother had got saved. And the way he had got saved, he was driving down the road and... Uh, he was had uh, some Budweiser and he was drinking it, and he had uh, was smoking a Marlboro, had a bunch of packs of them, and there was this gospel tent on the side of the road, up kind of on a hill, and uh, he was driving by that tent, and this feeling came over him. <clears throat> you better stop and go back and talk to that preacher, because your heart's not right with God, and you're gonna wind up dying and going to hell. And it scared him. I mean, he he didn't have experiences like that. So he's out in the country, so he stopped, you know, and he rolled down the window because he didn't want to go see the preacher with everything, and he threw his Marlboros and everything out in the ditch and got his six-pack of beer and throwed it out in the ditch. You know, a lot of times you throw it out and go back and get it, you know. You know how y'all do and how we've done. Anyway, he went back to that preacher up on the hill, and that preacher said to him, what do you want, son? Because that preacher was getting, you know, everything set up for the tent meeting. He's going to have a tent revival. And he said, what do you want? He said, I was just driving down the road down there, and he said, this voice spoke to me, you know, inside, of course, and said uh, to him that uh, you better go back and get right with God because you you're not ready to meet me. You're, you're on your way to hell. So the preacher, you know, asked him a few questions. And one of the questions he asked him was, are you married? He said, yes. He said, well, I'm not going to pray for you. He said, why? I don't want to go to hell. He said, I ain't going to pray for you. He said, why? He said, I want you, if you're really serious about getting right with God, he said, I want you to go home. He said, get your wife and come back to the service tonight. And he said, if you'll come back to the service and bring your wife, I'll pray for you so you can be saved. That preacher wanted to make sure they got it, didn't he? So he came back, <laughs> my brother did, and he got saved under that old gospel tent on the side of the road on Highway 231. Down there, you know, it's right before you get to Eufaula. Y'all remember where Eufaula, Alabama was? Anyway, it was on the Alabama side of the Chattahoochee River. Because you got the Chattahoochee River, you know, that goes down through there. And that separates Georgia from Alabama. And if you're on the, uh, the west side of Chattahoochee, you're on, over there on Highway 231. 
used to be a pontoon bridge that the military would put across there through Fort Benning. And you could drive across that boom, boom, boom. Y'all remember that? Boom, 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 and they go out the other side. Now they got a bridge you could drive across. But back then, way back there, you could drive across that old what they call pontoon bridge. It was made by the military. Floating platforms out there you drove on. So it was different. Anyway, he got born again. So he's driving this same one I'm talking about, my brother. We're driving by Fred's place, and they're out there at the fire, and, this, and he could see them down through the woods because he knew he'd been there many times. And uh, this voice spoke to him and said, turn around and go back and talk to Fred. And he said, I don't want to go back down there. He said, I don't do that no more. I don't drink no more and carry on no more and do all that stuff. He said, turn around and go back. Till Fred, he better get his life right with me. And he better do it now. And he sensed a sense of urgency so strong that he realized if I dis, dis, disobey this, it'll surely be disobeying God. So he turned that old car around and he drove back down, <coughs> turned off Moy Road, which is paved, remember, by this time, onto a dirt road that led down to where Fred's house was, Leon. Y'all remember Fred and Leon lived down there. And then all their friends was out there. And they had a fire built, sure enough. And Scott come pulling up. The first thing they done is uh, they thought, well, who is this coming down through here, you know? In a car. And then when Scott stepped out, my brother stepped out of the car, and they seen him, they couldn't believe it. Because they know that he'd became a preacher and, and all this stuff. And so they went to trying to hide their beer and all that kind of stuff, you know, because people used to respect preachers. They don't no more, but, but they used to you know. And so Scott come walking up and, and Scott said every one of them, you know, kind of bowed their head, you know, like this. You know, when it come walking up. All the cussing and the carrying on and all that, you quit, you know. <clears throat> and they I tried to hide everything, you know. And so Scott said, he just walked up to Fred. He said, Fred, he said, I was driving down the road and he said, uh, you know me and I know you. He said, you're old enough to be my daddy, almost, not quite, but almost. And he said, I've looked up to you for years. He said, you know, I'm saved now. Yeah, I know, I know. And Fred had his head down, you know, humbly. And he said, the Spirit of God told me to come back and tell you, you better get your life right with God. He said, I don't know what it is, but something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, Fred, but you better get your right, right, life right with God. Still talking about salvation, you know. So Fred kicked in the sand a little bit with his, you know, old work boots and overhauls. That's what he wore all the time. Carpenter's overhauls, you know. <clears throat> work boots sometimes. Most of the time he'd wear a t-shirt, white t-shirt, and then overhauls on top of it. You know, no work boots. And he'd kick around in the sand there a little bit, you know. And just kind of shake his head and look at him. And everybody else was kind of trying to hide, you know. And uh, he said, Fred, you've got to get right with God. I don't know what it is, but you better get right. And finally, Fred spoke up and said, Scott, he was just an old country fellow, didn't say much, you know. He said, I know what you're saying is right. He said, I know that. He said, but I'm not ready yet. He said, I'm going to do it one day when I get ready. So Scott told him, he said, today is the day of salvation, Fred. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, especially a sinner. I mean, if you're a saint, you can believe God for tomorrow, but as a sinner, you can't, <clears throat> you know. He said, Today is a day. I said, God sent me here. He said, something bad. So Scott said he stayed on him pretty hard, you know, not being mean, but just trying to convince him for about 15 minutes. And finally, Fred said again, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'll get ready in my time, in my way. One day, <clears throat> one day. 
Scott drove away, and that was on a Saturday night when that happened. No, I think it was on a Friday night when that happened. On uh, Sunday afternoon, I got a phone call at the house, and uh, or where I was at, I got a phone call. and said that Fred Bullard, the one that my brother had went and talked to, standing out by the campfire, was sitting at his house. His wife was cooking lunch there in the kitchen in, in, uh, at their home. And suddenly she heard a large, big boom and commotion, like something had failed. And so she ran into the living room where he was at, sitting in his chair. And he had fell forward on his face and fell down on the floor. And when she touched him, he was already dead. He had had a massive heart attack and died right there. Now, when Fred stands before the great white throne judgment, he's not going to be able to say to God that you didn't warn me. Isn't that right? That you didn't tell me. Because he sent Scott by there to tell him. But he was going to get saved when? His way. One day. And it don't work that way. And it wasn't God that killed Fred. You understand that. And it wasn't God that killed Tommy. God knew the devil was trying to kill Tommy. And he knew he was trying to kill Fred. God knew that Fred would fall dead on Sunday. God knew it. That's why it was so imperative that this preacher go talk to Fred. Isn't that right? But Fred didn't obey God. And Fred didn't do what the Bible says. So I'm trying to read to you. And you keep taking me down these stories and back to Moy Road and by the campfire. I'm trying to read you here and tell you the way of salvation. So in verse 1 of, of Romans chapter 10, it said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? Saved. So he's talking about salvation. Saved means to be born again. It's all inclusive. That's what that means. Saved is not different than being born again. Born again is not different than being saved. It's all one thing. When you get saved, what happens is the Spirit of God comes into your spirit. Say, so, well, how do you understand all that? How does all this happen? You don't have to understand it. You don't have to know it. Just believe it. That's all you do. And so, <clears throat> Paul goes on to tell them. says, for I bear them a record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, they want to serve God their way, but they're not doing it the Bible way. Not the way the plan of God is going on today. That's what he was saying there. Verse 3 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, of the way that you are saved or become right with God, and go about to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. In other words, they're going to get saved their way, not God's way. Remember? That's like, Tommy, and in a sense, like Fred. They're going to do it when they get ready, their way. And that's what he was saying to the Jewish people. You're trying to do it, you're ignorant. You're not doing it the right way, and that's what I'm here for, to tell you. That's what he told them here. Verse 4. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 4 says for this. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So notice here, Jesus Christ is the vehicle and the means and the way that we become righteous. Not in ourself, not in us keeping a bunch of rules and laws and regulations according to the Old Testament, but believing in Jesus. For Moses described the righteousness, verse 5, which is of the law, that the man that doeth those things shall live by them. 
Now he's talking about the Old Testament law and, and the way that it prescribed that we should live. But this is what he's talking about in the New Testament. This is the way, and he's beginning to talk about how you know, how you're going to know that you're saved. So this is what we're getting to in this cl- before we close. It says, but the righteousness which is of faith, speak it on this wise. In other words, the righteousness which is of faith is simply saying this. The way that you become right with God is the, what I'm about to tell you. That's what he's saying here. I'm just breaking it down and paraphrasing it so I can understand it. It's not confusion. In other words, the way you become right with God is this. He said, say not in thine heart, don't say in yourself, who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ back down from above. In other words, I've got to go get Jesus to come down here and save me. He said, don't say that. You don't have to say that. You don't have to get Christ to come back. Because salvation is already here in the earth based on what Jesus did and has done, put it like that, through His shed blood, His death, His burial, and resurrection. Isn't that right? Salvation became available to us, us at Jesus' shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 8 says this, But what says it? The Word, what he's talking about the Word, the way of salvation is near you. That's when he's saying the Word, the way of salvation. That's what he's talking about. Is near you. Where is it at then? Is even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What he's talking about, word of faith, he's talking about the message of salvation. The word of faith just simply means the message of salvation that he preached and he declared. This is the way that you are saved. That's what he's saying right here. I'm not changing the scriptures, you can see it yourself. The word of faith is the message of salvation. That's what he preached. He said, which we preach. How, what is the message of salvation? Verse 9. This is how you know that you will be saved and are saved. That if you can, shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, when it's saying confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, when you say out of your mouth, you're saying Jesus Christ is now my Lord. I pledge my life to Him. I'm not serving the devil. I'm not serving myself. But I am pledging my life to the Lord Jesus. That's what he's talking about right here. He said, if you will confess or say with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, or confess Him as your Lord. He is your Lord. He is your God. He is your Savior. And shall believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, what will happen? What will happen? Say it boldly. What will happen? How do you know? The Bible says so. So that takes Tommy's equation out of the picture. Isn't that right? Tommy can't do it his way. He's got to do it the Bible way. Tommy can't make his own agreement with God. He's got to do it the way God said. So if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, what will happen? You will be saved. When? 40, 50 years from now? No, right now. The moment you believe this in your heart and say it with your mouth is the day that you enter into salvation. It's the day that you enter into the plan of God. And from that day forward, you can be assured that you are on your way to heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. Journey gets sweeter every day. 
Walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, all along life's way, don't make me sing. Don't make me do it. Dr. Chip looking at me funny. He said, I'm going to send Brother Randy on the road now. Walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. So how are we saved? The Bible says we're saved not because of something we do in ourselves. We do something, but it's not because we go out and do a bunch of good works. You know, we don't, <clears throat> well, I'm going to bring furniture to the church uh, free sale. You know what I mean? And that's going to give me a feather in my cap with God. Now, God smiles on that. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't save you. Just because people came yesterday, ever how many, from 100 to 1,000 to 200 to Monkey Town, to get the items. Even though they carried some of those items out that was probably anointed with the Lord if they'd been in some of your houses, that don't mean they're saved. How are they going to be assured of their salvation? According to this verse, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord with your mouth, isn't that right? And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what will happen? You shall be saved. So who in here is saved today? Are you saved? How do you know you are? <laughs> can we do something together? Are you sure we can? Let's do this. Let's just close our eyes and repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ that died on the cross and shed his blood for me. Thank you that you accepted that sacrifice in my behalf and you raised him from the dead and you said that he, Jesus, is the only way of salvation. I believe that. I accept your word. So right now, according to your word, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that He has risen from the dead. Thank you that I am saved. I'm assured of it. I'm convinced of it. And I'll come to be with you when I leave this world and be in heaven. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. How many is born again in here? How many is saved in here? How many knows the way of salvation in here? I said, Brother Randy, it's so simple. It's almost foolish to be able to preach this to a people and speak this and teach this to a people that knows these things. But you need to be sure of your salvation. You need to know that I'm right with God. So who's in here is right with God? Let's see your hands. Boldly, boldly, yes. Right with God, right, right, yes, yes. Not trying to embarrass anybody. But I want you to be sure that you're right with God. Again, sometimes God will have you do something like this for one person. But I'm following the Holy Ghost. You speak by sudden inspiration of the moment. It may seem too simple, but it was very powerful in the sense that we understand now 
how that we are saved. And don't let the devil talk you out of it. Amen? Because once you get born again, once you get saved, all same inclusive word, then that's yours from now on. It belongs to you. There's other little things that go along with it, you know, but God will be with you through it all. And also, you know, there's other uh, package deals that go with this that we're not getting into now. You know, we'll be coming back for healing school this afternoon. If you could be with us, you know, we would encourage you to be here. But uh, I have absolutely preached myself happy this morning. Is that all right? I know Sister Millie and Sister Becky and the rest of you prayed me happy, you know. But, uh, and the reason I'm happy is because I know I've know I done what the Lord wanted me to do. And that's what fulfills you, you know, is doing what the Lord says. Even though you want to bring some great message in talking about the fire falling and the dead raising and all that, God, sometimes God just wants to speak to us on simple terms and encourage us. And so I believe the day that you've been encouraged and not discouraged and that God will be with us. So let me pray over you before I dismiss. Father, in the name of Jesus, I invoke and I speak a very special blessing over every individual under the sound of my voice. Father, I know that you've got a plan for their life. And I know that the enemy cannot stop that plan. Lord, and I speak health, healness, healing and wellness in their bodies in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that prosperity belongs to them because of this salvation that you've given them. And Father, we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! I'm going to turn it to Dr. Chip. Well, praise God. It's good to get born again. Amen. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's uh, when the Lord Jesus, before he headed out, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the good news. Amen. To get born again. He didn't uh, tell everybody to go out and, and preach on or teach on the end time events or, you know, the prosperity message. You know, all those things are important and inclusive. But the one thing that uh, we need to hear more, hear more about is uh, uh, the gospel salvation message more than anything else. Amen. Uh, and so I'm glad that uh, uh, everyone had an opportunity to make sure that they're born again on their way to heaven. You know, that's your eternal destiny. Amen. This is not just for tomorrow. This is until uh, the end of time and there's no end of time with the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so we thank Brother Randy for that message. Amen. You know, it's it's just uh, um, if the Lord speaks it, uh, then it doesn't matter if it's simple or not. It's it's the message for the day. Amen. Uh, and uh, I got no problem with, with simple messages. I'm I'm glad for the message for the day. Amen. Because I'd rather that than than uh, than he just open up his folder and preach. Well, let's preach number one thirty five. You know, uh, you know, because we preached one thirty four last week. Amen. Uh, and so we thank God for that. So let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Uh, everything we receive today will go into the ministry of Brother Randall Greer. Uh, if you need to make a check out, you can make a check out to Word of Truth Church. We'll write him one check. Uh, we don't take a cut. We don't skim anything off the top. We don't, uh, there's no uh, postage and handling fees or anything like that. It just goes to his ministry uh, to advance the gospel and the call of God upon his life. Amen. And so we get to sow into that. So let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. We thank you for the ministry of Brother Randall Greer. Father, that you called him from before the foundation of the world to set him, Father, in the church to be a blessing to us, to speak words that we need to hear, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you that as we give this morning, that we get to sow into his ministry. We thank you that the finances that we sow will be multiplied according to the need that his ministry has. 
that he's able to accomplish and do everything that you've called him to do.